Welcome to Just Ahead Podcast. My name is Adele Dujardin, teacher turned life and leadership coach with a passion for helping others live a life that is happily theirs. Through interviews with folks five to ten years out of college, you will hear how they have carved out satisfying careers of all kinds. Here I speak with Taylor Bonocor to learn how she went from being a Colgate University history major to self-employed consultant and co-creator of Conversate, a methodology for sparking meaningful conversations. Enjoy. All right. Well, hello, Taylor. I wanted to welcome you to Just Ahead Podcast, and I'm going to hand it over to you after just saying that we're here today with Taylor Bonacore. And my first question is one relating to a quick little tease you gave me when we last spoke, and that was your first job offer. I think you were still in college, but headed out, and someone offered it to you and said, but I hope you don't take it. That's right. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that intriguing story? So it's one of my favorite memories because it was a summer internship that I had in college with a consulting firm, which at the time was what I thought I I wanted to be my linear career path would be in consulting. And over the course of the summer, worked with this really great team in New York City and developed a pretty close mentoring relationship with the head of the group in New York. And so he generously gave me the job offer at the end of the summer and said, we would love nothing more than for you to join this team. But on a personal level, I really hope you don't take the offer because I feel like there's more out there for you right now. And, you know, what do you say to that? (laughs) Now I I realize I would have been like, thank you so much for saying this. But at the time, I just was a little bit dumbfounded and said, you know, I really appreciate that. I actually thought that I probably would join the company, but I think his words set me off on a thought path that made me consider that perhaps there was, in his words, more out there for me at that period of time. Yeah. And um, just before I ask you about the search that you embarked on, I'm wondering if you would tell us where you went to college, what you majored in, and why you thought consulting was for you initially. Yeah. So I went to Colgate University in upstate New York. I had a great experience there and met mentors that have remained lifelong friends and mentors. I've always been someone that doesn't have a huge group of friends, but the people that I surround myself with are close and they're high, high quality. And I would say that that's what Colgate left me with. I majored in history and I minored in psychology. I love to tell this story when I was picking my freshman seminar at Colgate. I I grew up as a kid that sort of did what you were always supposed to do. And in school, in high school, I was really good at writing. I was really good at social studies. One of my parents was a history major in college. And so what was the right thing to do was become a history major when you go to college. So that's mostly the path that I pursued. But when you're a freshman, you get to choose your freshman seminar, which is the class where you get your advisor. And most people end up with a very close-knit group of friends that all have this shared interest. Well, I can be indecisive. And I you know, was caught up in not knowing what to do. And so I took a recommendation from one of my parents on which class to go into And although I was interested in one that was called On Creativity, I took a class called Darwin's Universal Acid, and it was all about economics. 
and merging biology and economics. I mean, completely not, not me at all. But I didn't know what to do. And I was at that point so exhausted from having to pick my classes and think about this whole life transition that I just thought, you know, and I still have a great relationship with my parents, but I thought I'm just going to go with like my dad's recommendation here. <laughs> I'm just going to take this class. It ended up being just horrible. I mean, I didn't click with anyone in the group. The topic, the subject matter was almost impossible for me to wrap my mind around. And I've always reflected back on this decision to be a history major and a psychology minor and thought if I could do it over again, I would have taken on creativity and there would have been a psych minor or major rather from the very beginning because that's where my you know, true interests lie. But therein lies one of the many lessons that you learn when you go to college and you yeah. experience all these things. And I have made that mistake very few times since then. Well, congratulations from learning from your mistake. And what I think is interesting too, as you tell the story, as you say, I didn't know. So I asked my parents, but in telling it, it sounds like you really did know. You just maybe didn't trust yourself. Exactly. And our education system, at least for public education, and I think a lot of private education is one in which the path is pretty clear for you. And I think when you go to college and when you get out of college, it's your first chance to make those decisions yourself and be guided by your own intuition. And over 18 years of the path is straight ahead and this is what it is. I think we lose a little bit of that ability to hear the inner voice and what I have learned is that pursuing the thing that feels right is so much easier and more enjoyable, you know, innately than like having to trudge uphill or against the stream for what it is that feels right for you. Meanwhile, I married someone who loves economics and it's like he, he lives and breathes this and thinks it's so interesting and always wants to tell me about macro and microeconomics. And every time we have these conversations, I'm brought right back to that <laughs> freshman seminar. But it goes to show like for him, yeah. that is what feels great for him, right? So you have to pursue what feels right for you. Yeah. And right could just be the next right thing, just taking that class. It's not as if you need to know how it's going to play out. It's just the next right thing. So can you tell us a little bit about that senior year search? Yeah, sure. Right. So he began sort of this quiet process that I really did with a very small group of trusted people um, about what would be the next step and helped me to your point about knowing what the next right thing is, sort of helped me crystallize this vision for a decade after college where I would pursue things that would create a well-rounded experience of 10 years after school. So I often described this as a patchwork quilt, the idea that I would go from thing to thing and that that was going to be okay for 10 years, right? Because I'm like still in this little bit of the mindset of what am I supposed to do? So I laid out a decade and I thought if I take 10 years and do things that really interest me, they don't have to be linear, but when you step back and look at them all together, I'll look back and think like, wow, what an incredible set of experiences. Another advisor, as I was wrestling with this job offer and trying to figure out what to do next, who sat me down one day over lunch and asked me a question that I always say completely changed the trajectory of my life, similar to the job offer experience. And he said to me, if you think about your first year out of college and 
you're 365 days after graduation and someone says to you, you know, so it's been a year. Like, how was your year? If you could rate it a, a one to a 10, what's your rating going to be? And he said, if you looked at that person and confidently said, you know what? It was a 10 out of 10. It was everything that I wanted it to be. What would you tell them that you had done over that period of time? And this question, when I first heard it, like just shattered my world again. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, free from all restrictions. And like, this isn't even real. So I'll just answer whatever it is that I could possibly want to do in this time period. And I told him I would spend, I would treat it like a college year. I would spend one semester in South America. I would spend one semester in Africa. I would pursue conservation and education because those were two sort of areas that I feel really passionate about, the things I'm always reading about in the newspaper when I don't have to be doing anything and can just pursue what I want to read. And I would combine travel and service and take a year and do that. And I would come home for the holidays and spend time with my family and work. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. <laughs> that, let's just like pause there because that's, that's huge. That's really, you know, your face is smiling. You're just all lit up, even remembering that person opening, really asking you to dream. Yeah. It's as if you thought to yourself, it seems like first, like, oh my gosh, I actually can dream. Really? That's, a, that's allowed? I don't have, you know, the to-do list that I've inherited or put upon myself. And yeah. the, other, the other cool thing I hear is um, like honoring, you know, in that dreaming, you honored some core values, you know, of exploration, you know, and, and meeting like really new places in terms of um, demographics and, you know, people's lives that you'd be witnessing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, it, you know, it didn't just come together from there because there was pushback from different angles, figuring out how do I, how do I pay for all of this? This is more than 10 years ago. And there were not really these like volunteer programs that there are today. So I had to figure out like, okay, you're going to go to South America. Well, where, <laughs> you know, where are you going to go and how are you going to pay for that? And is it safe where you're going and what exactly are you going to be doing? So there was all of that, that, that was definitely a kind of complicated mess of things to figure out. And along the way at on multiple occasions, remembering that job offer watching all the people that I was in school with accept their job offers and know what their plan was going to be. And all the while kind of trying to press through to what felt, you know, truest to me at the time. And uh, all of that held a lot of lessons that I think have reappeared over and over and over again in my life. Some of which have been like, you can make these things happen if you if you really put your heart and soul into it. And again, like listening to that inner voice about what feels right, it was all a big process at the time that looking back, I now realize like there was no rushing any of that either. And I hear you too saying, you know, you were open and you were curious. It wasn't so scripted what you decided to do, that there were openings for you to take in information be checking options out and, and allowing those options to unfold. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And as I'm retelling this story, I realized that there, there were key people at every step along the way 
my husband and I haven't, we call these types of people that appear at just the right moment angels in a very non kind of non-religious way. You know, they're just, they, they appear and they kind of show you something or teach you something or give you something. If you pay attention, those are like the angels. And I'm thinking of all these people as sort of playing that role. Yeah. And I'm hearing one of your superpowers is paying attention. Yeah. Awareness is, um, yes, sometimes I'm self-aware to a fault. (laughs) Definitely. Because the sign, like that's part of what I feel like is the magic of life too, is like the signs reveal themselves to you. Another very cherished friend of mine has always said, call it towards you. Yeah. And I'm also hearing too, it's, it's wanting it badly enough, but that wanting really is felt because you're aligned with the, those core values, you, you've, you've matched it, right? So it's it, that, that wanting becomes big and attracts the right things mm-hmm. because it's, it's a match. You're meant to be doing that thing you've set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell us, so you had this year of travel, didn't take the consulting job. And what kept you on track and not lose faith? So my parents were like, not, not thrilled about this whole thing. <laughs> I had worked through college. And so I had a decent pot of money saved up that I had agency over. And so I basically said like, this is what I'm going to do. But in terms of setbacks and listening to signs, c- crazy enough, I, I was flying to Ecuador that fall so I, I'm going through with all of this. I'm flying to Ecuador that fall. I have a dream the night before my plane is supposed to take off that my plane crashed. And I've never dreamt anything like this before. I mean, I don't really have these sort of premonition experiences, but obviously listening to the signs, I woke up in the middle of the night and deeply felt in my core, like I'm not supposed to go, but press through. I'm feeling really nervous. I don't speak Spanish. I spoke a little Italian, but I don't speak Spanish. I'm going totally alone. No one's receiving me at the airport and I'm hopping on a bus and riding out to the Amazon rainforest where I'm supposed to meet a local indigenous tribe. I mean, I really went for like the 10 out of 10 here. Um, I get to the airport at JFK. I'm feeling very unsettled and nervous inside, but I'm pushing through I get on the plane, I'm sitting, my heart is pounding, I'm so nervous. And the flight attendant comes over the speaker on the plane and she says, we're so sorry for the delay, but there's a malfunction on the plane and this plane cannot travel to Ecuador today. So we need you all to deplane and we'll book you on the flight that's leaving tomorrow to go to Quito. So needless to say, I was like out of my chair and basically off the plane before she even finished her sentence. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, freaked out that like I had had this feeling and, and then was thrown into a whole question of perhaps this is the sign that you're not supposed to do this, you know, like how much more of a sign do you need that you are not to be going on this little journey that you've designed for yourself? And my parents, we laugh about it now, but like my dad very much tried to capitalize on this moment and, <laughs> and really convince me to change my mind. My mom and I had a very heart-to-heart conversation about a week later because I didn't book the flight the next day where she said, you know, you have to really do what feels right for you. And so I said, I think looking back, if I don't pursue this, I'll, I'll forever look at it as like my, my, my regret right? Like my missed opportunity that I just didn't, I didn't do it when I wanted to really do it. So it was like, you know, taking into account future self. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I did go and have this amazing experience in Ecuador. I lived in the rainforest and felt like I had stumbled upon this world that I think permanently changed how I view the way that people connect and how we as a, a world are connected with each other. One day I was hiking in the rainforest with an indigenous, indigenous leader who didn't speak any Spanish. She only spoke Quechua, which is a native language. And yet I understood everything this man was telling me, you know, about every plant and its purpose and like everything he had to say just seemed like it was being fed to me in English. And we were walking on the ridge line of a pretty tall um, hill mountain in the rainforest. And as we were walking up on the, the top of this ridge line, I stumbled across a seashell, like in the middle of the Amazon. I mean, we are not near the ocean, like at all. And here is this shell, like as if it was just dropped right in front of me. And in that moment, and there were so many like this, I just felt like if this doesn't symbolize our like past, present, and future, and the interconnectivity of our world and everyone in it, like, I don't know what does. You know, this place was once underwater. Here's a shell. And it just all sort of clicked for me in that moment. So there were so many times when I was gone that I thought, I'm so glad that I did this. Like, I'm so, and to this day, I am so proud and grateful that I did that. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel inspired by you and, and, and just am drawn to the point I'm imagining you there and how you're just almost kind of waking up. And uh, so, so curious upon returning what you did with your life. Yeah, right? Everyone wonders that. <laughs> so I went to, I, I came home for the holidays. I got, a, I got a job at a temp agency with an HR department doing data entry. Totally not glamorous, but it paid for me to take a safari when I went to Tanzania. I taught a preschool in Tanzania. I taught English and incorporated science experiments to teach these four-year-olds English. It was the happiest I've ever been, and it was incredible. And then I came home after four months and after very seriously considering trying to stay in Tanzania, um, which I think my mom was pretty sure I was going to do for a period of time. And I moved to New York City and I took a job with a consulting firm. <laughs> You're surprising me. Yeah, there's lots of twists and turns here. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, yeah. So, what went into that decision? Well, I was out of money. All my friends were living in New York and doing the New York thing. And I just thought, what else am I going to do? I don't know. I had this job offer and. I guess I'll just take this job offer. I mean, that's pretty much how it went. The economy had tanked in the meantime. You know, in 2000, this was 2000, the fall of 2008 when the economy crashed was when I went to Ecuador. So we we're about a year in all the while while I was gone. I mean, I was watching friends lose their jobs and the like life completely be upended for so many people. The person who had ultimately linked me to that internship had moved to a, a better, more prestigious consulting firm and wanted to bring me over there even after this year that I had spent overseas. In fact, I think it made me more valuable because yeah. I had perspective that other, yeah. like no one else that was, what I was thinking. Yeah. Right? That, yeah, when we sometimes do those non traditional things, especially when they're very much out of the norm that can make a job applicant really attractive. 
because it, it's set you apart. And yeah, you picked up things that one can't really ever learn or takes years to learn because your exposure to things so different just caused your mind to be like, wah! Yeah. And were there things about consulting that you, you liked? I mean, did you feel like, yeah. oh gosh, I'm selling out, this is going to be miserable? Or, you know, to, like... No, the problem solving. It was okay. the problem solving of it, um, which I still, I mean, I'm still a consultant today on projects that I have more agency over, but it's the problem solving piece of things and being able to take something, take an idea and turn it into something real that I have always enjoyed doing. And I think that's part of what it was about consulting. But I went into corporate consulting. This was like the, one of the big consulting firms. I had a mentor who said to me, to your point about the next right step, she said, look, you're not signing your whole life away. <laughs> like you're making this decision for practical reasons at the time, you know, I needed to make some money and get my career started. And she said, this is a great way to do that. And you are going to get your next round of education. You know, you went to college, you spent this year, these were both educational experiences. And now you're going to go work for a big consulting firm that's going to teach you new stuff in a very different way, but you get your next round of education. Yeah. So how always move on to something else when you don't want to do this anymore. So right. I, yeah, and it's almost like that patchwork um, concept. It, it sounds like you you were able to make decisions for yourself when you didn't say, "Oh my goodness, this is the decision of my lifetime." It just it allowed you kind of to relax about making the decision that you weren't signing up for the next twenty years. Exactly. So how long? Just another piece in the quilt. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I love that metaphor. So how long were you there and what were some highlights and what were some things that you didn't like so much? Yeah. So I stayed for almost four years. Um, the corporate culture was very restrictive. I didn't love living in New York City. I was used to, you know, wild environments and being out in nature. And I found that the energy, the buzz of New York that so many people love for me always felt like I could never really calm down. And I usually don't have a, a big problem with anxiety or feeling that. And for me, the city, it was just almost too much. On the other hand, you know, I, I tried to carve out pieces of the consulting world that I, I could really get into. So I latched on to mentors again that I felt like I clicked with. And, you know, it kicked me off on this world of human capital and talent, which has ultimately run through everything else that I have done. So when I think back to what that mentor of mine said, like you are getting trained, she could not have been more correct. Like I got training and an understanding of how talent works in businesses and in the nonprofit sector and even in the public sector that I'm not sure I could have gotten had I struck out on my own. And that has been an incredibly valuable asset to me professionally since I left. In fact, to the point where I have, I've not applied for a job since I applied for that consulting firm. I've always been able to navigate through my network, usually coming back to this idea that I know something about talent, talent management, organizational development, leadership, all those sorts of topics that I first learned about with the consulting firm. So it sounds like you got this great foundation of learning, training, and also a network, which you continually use. Mm -hmm. yeah. And 
it just just briefly because some people are new to the whole world of career you know post school so consulting when you say talent um organizational development just like quickly expand on those terms for people yeah so if you think about a business or any organization the thing that it's usually composed of is people, right? There's people that are coming up with the ideas for a product, people that are coming up with the ways to sell that product, people that are coming up with programming for the community that they're building. It's all revolves around people. And in the business world, we love to call that human capital. So capital is not, you know, not just money, there's human capital that drives the business. And you have to figure out how are you going to structure all those people to work together effectively. Is there a boss? Is there, are there teams? And how do you actually structure it so that everyone's happy and you can get stuff done? That's one piece of it. Um, another part of it is thinking about who's leading the team and how do they lead? And how do you help people feel like there's room to grow? Um, that's a lot of what talent management and talent assessment is. When you have talent, when you have a person, we, we call the talent, what sort of support do you give to them to enable them to fulfill their goals and the organizational goals within the company or the group? It doesn't have to always be a business. Okay. So you're still consulting. It sounds like at your choosing, you take projects on that interest you. And in what fields? And then I want to go to your project, Conversate. Yeah. So after being at the consulting firm for four years, I stumbled upon an opportunity. Um, that's another zinger here. <laughs> I moved to Mongolia in uh -huh. Asia um, to take on a consulting project with a big mining company that was building the third biggest mine in the world for copper. Another incredible experience. I worked with this amazing team. I mentored a group of Mongolian women who really mentored me in many ways too. And it was all about building up a national workforce, the Mongolian workforce, to eventually take over management of the company. I was 26 at the time, and I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm going off on my own to be a consultant with this company, with a really cool team. And so that's what happened for me next. And I did that for almost two years, kind of going back and forth to the U.S., eventually did get back together with my now husband um, and made the determination that it was time to come back to America so that we could be together. So that was the next square in the patchwork quilt. It took a role in public health next, thinking about how to use talent within government health systems to help improve the management of health programs. And specifically, I was working in sub-Saharan Africa with governments focused on HIV and a very specific part of HIV, which is mother-to-child transmission of HIV, but completely different from the mining industry. So jumping ahead to Conversate, my life continued to progress, you know, as you do as you get older. So I got married, and then I got pregnant, and was fortunate to have my little girl, and at the time feeling like I couldn't be traveling, and I didn't want to be traveling the same way that I was before I had her. Um, and wondering sort of what was next. And I had the benefit of having a coach who really helped me crystallize that of all these experiences, 
the things that make me feel most alive and most energized and most excited are always when I'm learning or I'm helping other people learn. And when I'm connecting and meeting new people or when I'm facilitating other people meeting each other. And so for me, learning and connection, once I was able to put my finger on those two things, I have really used that as like my guideposts ever since. But conversate is the result of this conversation about learning and connection. It's a methodology for sparking conversation, um, in particular born from the work that I had done in Africa and Kenya, where I was standing up teams of people that didn't know each other, but had to work together on this really complex public health problem in disparate geographies. So they were not together in the same place, and yet they had to communicate a lot about problems and communicate really honestly so that they could get stuff done quickly. And I've known from all my work in human capital that the best way to do that is to forge a really good foundational relationship between people. And that one way to do it is through conversations about the stuff that matters in life, where you can break past small talk and have people connect and learn from each other over topics that are important. And I've found that facilitating conversations about that sort of thing creates a relationship and a bond between people very quickly um, that's very powerful. So I was doing this in Kenya, a longtime friend of mine, there's a whole separate story that we don't have time for, but she was doing something similar with her community in New York. We kind of came together to catch up, realized that we were doing something very similar and someone said, wouldn't this be amazing if we could package this experience in a box and it could sit on every dinner table, like on planet Earth. And everybody everywhere could open this box and have a really transformative and interesting, thought-provoking question that forges you through to these topics that maybe you want to ask about, but you've been too afraid to ask your parents. Or that you just never have discussed with your significant other. Or, you know, you don't even know these things about your, your closest friends. Um, or you're part of a team and you need to work together effectively and you just should know more about these people you spend so much time with every single day. So we set out to create the box. Um, we designed the whole thing ourselves. We wrote every question within it. We came up with the format. There's 30 topics inside which range from community, endurance, travel, bravery, progress, nature, failure, freedom, generosity, friendship. Um, joy, things like that. And each card has a set of questions that go with it that let you have a really full discussion and sometimes ask you questions that surprise you about that topic. And um, it has been an incredible way to learn and connect, which is what I'm all about. So I'm very proud of it. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. It's a great product. And this idea of bonding through conversation and bonding quickly. Like we don't necessarily need time. It's, it's how we do it that creates the connection. That is a great point. Yeah. And I've seen that firsthand. I have to just share this quick story. Just earlier this week, we did one virtually and we had everybody gathered. One conference. virtually, you facilitated. I facilitated, a yeah. Conversation. I facilitated a conversation yeah. virtually. I want the listeners to know too, it's not just a product. You are a facilitator. Exactly. So we have the box that you can purchase to do yourself. And then we facilitate as well. 
We did one virtually and the topic was storytelling and food. And on this call, we had two women who didn't know each other share with the group that they are Singaporean. They were each born in Singapore, different generations, but they're both born in Singapore. And they each spoke really eloquently about the power that food has and, and for a celebratory purpose in Singapore. And to their amazement, there's someone else from Singapore on the call. And, and the younger of the two said, I have been trying to find someone else who's Singaporean and I haven't found anyone in our local area that like, I really felt like I connected with. Can we please exchange contact information after this? It's such a great little story because that kind of thing happens all the time where people are like, they click and they want to stay in touch. And so to me, that's really special. It is really special. Very special indeed, especially during these times that we're in. People need that connection more than ever. And, you know, we're going to wind up. And I'm just wondering if there's anything that you haven't said that you'd like to impart to people who are embarking on their careers, leaving college or, you know, juniors, looking ahead to that senior year in the job search. I think... I think I would just emphasize this idea of the patchwork quilt because that's something that an image that occurred to me when I was a senior in college more than 10, almost 15 years ago now, but I just came across this again yesterday and I heard it on a a talk where someone spoke about the quest versus the quilt and the quest being the linear career path that some people pursue, and the quilt being much of what we talked about today. The idea that it doesn't have to be a straight line and that you have choice in what you do. And perhaps things look very differently, but when you look at them as a quilt, they become a very kind of full life. And so because that has just represented itself for me, I feel like that is my my closing thought that if there's ever been anything that made me feel like I could take the pressure off and like it was every step was going to be okay and it was all part of this bigger grand plan that I was designing without really realizing that perhaps I was designing it, it it's that yeah lovely thank you and thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and also sharing your joy. Like it is, I see the joy in you and I hear it. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Part of what I find with Conversate too is the ability to share is so healing, even if you're not hurting, you know, it's a really healing process to be able to share and listen and all of that. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. It's been a long time since I talked about that first year out of college and you're right. It does bring me so much joy to think about. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to Just Ahead. Be sure to rate and subscribe our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about me, visit my website at www.agoodlife.coach or follow me on Instagram at agoodlife.coach. Join us again next week to hear more folks share the practical and inspirational around their working lives post-college.